Well, good afternoon. How's everybody doing today? Evie, that was great. Thank you so much for that. Um, hey, my name's Jamie, and I'm the pastor of East Cobb Church. We haven't met yet. I uh, look forward to the day I do get to meet you. And I know today's a big day, because tomorrow, school starts. And uh, some of you are like, thank you, Lord. Um, others of you may be sad. Maybe it's the first time a, a child's going to school, and, and that's a transition deal. But I figured regardless of your situation, or maybe you're like, no, my kids have been out of the house for a minute, so good luck, y'all. But uh, <laughs> I figured I would mark the occasion by just telling you literally the most embarrassing story that I have from kindergarten through 12th grade. You want to hear it real quick? Uh, yeah, okay. So it was in first grade. So I started off on a really bad note uh, of the whole deal. So first grade, I had this teacher, her name was Miss Waith, and it was down there in Dunwoody at Woodland Elementary School. Okay. So, and for some reason, I just, man, I latched on to Miss Waith. I generally was not a teacher's pet, but I loved Miss Waith. And it was one of those, did you ever have a teacher that you just wanted her to like you like really bad? You just remember it? Well, I did. I wanted Miss Waith to, Waith to like me so bad. And, um, Pretty much anything she said. I was just like, okay, yes, ma'am, you know. Well, we go to class one day, and it's the day that they do the standardized testing. I don't, I don't think we even do the same test that we did back then, but I remember it was that thing you like, you fill it out, and they decide whether you're like in this class or that class or a special class or tag or whatever. And uh, I had that moment that I have discovered my kids have, but it's the moment where you suddenly realize, oh man, I gotta go to the bathroom. And uh, like my son will do this. Like we were, we flew somewhere with him. It's like one of the first times I've flown with him. And we're in the plane seat and he's totally fine. And then literally the next moment he's like, daddy, I'm gonna pee in my pants. I'm gonna pee in my pants. Daddy, I'm gonna pee in my pants. I'm like, how, why did this blindside you? I mean, there, you had to have some warning signs. Like we went from zero to like 60 in no time at all. But anyway, well, that happened to me. And I'm like, man, I gotta go. And so I was like, Miss Wade, I gotta go to the bathroom. And she had already said that once the test starts, like, you know, you gotta finish the test. So, you know, like get ready. And, and hold it if you, you got to. And, I, and she, she was irritated when I was like, hey, I gotta, I gotta go to the bathroom, and which crushed me. I was like, eh. you know, do you have a child, maybe if you have children, little kid, that like all it takes is, is the wrong look or like a little reprimand and they're like, <laughs> you know, well, I feel, I feel like that's how I was with Miss Wade. And I'm like, hey, I gotta go to the bathroom. And she's like, no, I already said that you can't go to the bathroom. You need to wait. And I'm like, hey, but I, like, I really have to go. And she's like, hey, I already told you. And if you didn't have to go then, you're gonna be fine now. You're gonna be fine. Just hold it. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm gonna be fine. And then about 30 minutes later, I pooped my pants in the test. In first grade, I pooped my pants in class. Oh my gosh, it was horrible. I mean, but I was just sitting there like, she said I'm gonna be fine. She said I'm gonna be fine. Uh, you know, oh man. And my mom came and mom's like, what is wrong with you? You know, like, do I need to take you somewhere? Like, get trained? I mean, oh my gosh, my child. You know, oh, it was horrible. Um, but anyway, so I hope your child's start to the school year is at least better than that. That's the bottom. And, you know, you go up from there. Uh, <laughs> but the, the question is, have you ever cared that much about somebody else's approval or what they thought of you? Hopefully not to that point, but have you ever cared that much? We're in the middle of a series called Solomon Says, and Solomon, most of you probably know a very famous character from antiquity, a biblical character, the son of King David, who's even more famous than he is. But uh, Solomon is known for writing the book of what? Proverbs, yes. So Proverbs are us collections of wise sayings. He's not the only one with Proverbs in there, but he's the main one. And uh, Solomon, it was said, if you can read this in the scriptures as well, it was said that um, he asked God to give him wisdom. And that God responded with, yes, I made him, made him the wisest man to ever have lived at that point. And, um, and that he was just a really wise guy, wise king of Israel. And he recorded a lot of wise things, observations about life and 
the world and how it works and all that. And it's called a book of wisdom in Proverbs. And, um, you know, I've heard it said that uh, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is what you know, but wisdom is knowing what to do with what you know. It's like not good enough just to know something. You need to know how to apply it, when to use it, what to do about it, right? Uh, the word in the Hebrew is actually chokmah, book of wisdom, book of chokmah, and it means skill at life, like getting life right. And that's what the Proverbs are full of. Uh, one ancient king, his advice on how to get your life right based on his observation and based on, I believe, the, the spirit of God granting him wisdom to see and record how the world works. And we all want that. I mean, I don't care who you are or what your even faith is or how much you've been in church or whatever. You wanna get life right. That's the value of this book. That's why you should read it even if you're not a Christian. I'm telling you, there is like there are nuggets of gold in the book of Proverbs for your life, regardless of what you believe. Um, and that's what this series is about. It's about three pieces of, I think, really, really good advice. Of the many that are in there, these are three of them. And Nick started week one talking about lies and truth or truth bending and being honest in what you build your relationships and your life on. Dane last week did uh, a sermon on our pride and seeking counsel and being a person that is well advised. And that was really powerful. Both guys were fantastic. And I wanna continue today the, the piece of advice that I wanna talk about today has to do with this uh, truth right here that everybody cares about somebody's approval. Everybody cares about somebody's approval. I mean, that's just true. No matter who you are, somebody's approval matters to you like you care about what they think. Their, their evaluation matters to and motivates you. And it's been going on our entire lives. And you know, this is true. Like when we were kids, it started out and it was mom or dad or stepmom or stepdad or grandmother or somebody in that category. And then we grew up and we started going to school and things shifted a little bit. So have you seen this change in your children? And then you get into middle school and high school and all of a sudden the approval you care about becomes your best friends or your friend group or the classmates you think are cute or popular or, or, or you just are really looking for approval from the word, you know, them, right? You remember them? Them in high school and middle school, the people whose opinions mattered the most, the people whom you wanted to like you the most. Uh, we all had a them, whether they were the popular crowd or the athletes or the nerds or the band. I mean, whatever, you had, you, had, you had a them. I remember in middle school, the very first time in my life that I became painfully aware of them. I was in public school up until uh, the sixth grade and my brother was at North Springs down in Dunwoody and something went wrong at North Springs and my mom, you know, was like, oh no, we're not gonna send my other son there. So instead she pulled me out of public school and sent me to Westminster private school down in the city. And, uh, you know, this is our first experience in the private school world. We haven't been doing that. And uh, Westminster, you may know, is like other private schools and has a dress code. You know, it's khakis and a collared shirt and like boots, okay? That's like what you wear, brown shoes. Well, my mom sent me to the first day of sixth grade uh, wearing this right here. Uh, <laughs> Y'all remember these from the 90s? You know what this is? It's like one of those, yeah, warm-ups or jogging suit or track suit. This is one of those things, you hear it before you see it, right? Because it's like, shh, 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 you can hear him coming a mile away. Oh my goodness, I showed up in sixth grade wearing one of these and everybody in the school was just like, what? And they, and you know who they are, they, the people who are popular, the people who matter, the people who talk, they didn't like it. And they were like, who is this joker? And it was, oh my goodness, so, so humiliating. Right under the pooping incident was this one. Uh, between these two, it's been a financial windfall for Atlanta area counselors. So, uh, yeah, 
Again, I hope your child's first day in sixth grade or is better than that. Um, but I remember that we all had a, had a them, even if they weren't like a, a, a friend or someone we even knew, we knew who they were. And we cared about what they think. Their approval mattered to us, big time. Did all kinds of crazy things in middle school and high school just because they thought it was cool or didn't think it was cool, right? And that's easy to see, right? You talk about being a kid, you talk about being in middle school and high school, you're like, yeah, everybody cares about somebody's approval. And we would like to think that we grew out of it, right? Like, yeah, we grew up a little bit and kind of, you know, got over that thing, that needing of somebody's approval. But I mean, come on, we know that we, we didn't. They didn't go away. They just grew up with us, right? They just maybe got a little more sophisticated and they became our neighbors or our coworkers or our bosses or our friend group or our in-laws or uh, your spouse or your teenage student that lives in the house with you, your son or daughter, or the, you know, Hollywood and what they portray or advertising and what they tell you is really cool or the people and strangers and random folks that you know on social media that hit the like button. I mean, whoever it is, they didn't go away. They just grew up and they just became older and more sophisticated, perhaps. I mean, to try to get us all in the same emotional place today, we could one phrase might get us all on the same page. We've just been through it. Summertime at the pool. Somebody's approval matters to you in that situation, right? You know, I know for me that like, you're walking into the pool and you're like, okay, let's do this dead bod engaged, you know? And um, you're just like, no, I'm confident. But then there's always that one like inexplicably fit guy, you know? You're like, I don't, do you, do you not have a job or like, you don't have taste buds or what's going on with you, man? And you're like, good night. I mean, I'm trying really hard, but you, good night. Like, God, I like to look horrible next to you. There's always that dad or that guy at the pool. And you're like, what? And then of course you roll your eyes when he's like, yeah, you know, I do like seven CrossFit exercises a week, like no big deal. And you're like, okay, you know, we uh, it got interrupted when my wife and I went to Fiji. Where'd you guys go? And you're like, okay, Chad, go find some kale, you know, like, <laughs> like just get out of here. You're making me feel self-conscious, okay? You know, I mean, that one moment from summertime probably gets us all there going like, oh yeah, everybody cares about somebody's approval. But hey, even if it's not the pool and you're like, nah, that's not me, maybe it's work. Like maybe you work in a competitive industry or just a competitive office and those numbers hit the monthly report every time come out and people can see how you're doing and you're like, oh yeah, I care about that. Or maybe you're trying to be partner one day, an officer of the company, or get that big promotion. And you know, it's like a specific group of people that they have to believe in you and like you and want to promote you. And you're like, oh my goodness, what do they think? You know, that, that's, it's, it's that, it's that. It's, uh, or maybe it's not work. Maybe it's just your friend group. And every time you hang out, there is a little bit of that comparison. Like, hey, what have you been doing? Where'd you guys go on vacation? How are your kids doing? You kids on playing t-ball, right? What's, how'd that go? You know, uh, what class is your kid in? So on and so forth. And, and you love each other and your friends, but there's also that little bit of comparison that goes on and everybody kind of knows it, but you don't acknowledge it. Maybe it's that. Thing, or, or maybe it's at home with a spouse. And, you know, I was talking to a newlywed couple recently and he, and he was like, how do I make my wife happy? And I'm like, good luck with that, sir. You know, and I'm just kidding. Um, tried to give him my best advice. But I mean, you care about your spouse and what they think and then their, their, their happiness. Or maybe it really is your teenage son or daughter and you're like, I just want you to love me. Like, I don't know how. Like, you know, and they're just like, <laughs> you know, and you're like, everybody cares about somebody's approval and I care about her approval. Like, why can't I get it, you know? Uh, or maybe it is just the, you know, the, the general culture and the crowd and, and social media and the, the little messages that always hit your radar screen about how you're supposed to look or where you're supposed to be in life and this, that, and the other. 
And um, yeah, you, you mean you, you care about someone's approval. And um, that's just, that's just the, the, the truth, you know? Or maybe it's just the fact that every time you walk out on your front lawn, you look to the right or left at your neighbor's lawn or your neighbor's car, or your neighbor's house, or your neighbor's life, or your neighbor's Instagram or whatever. And it's just, it's that thing. And, and, and you'd like to think we grew out of it. You, you'd like to think, oh, no, no, that goes away as you mature, but it doesn't. No way, because there's just something in every single one of us that's like this right here. I found this stamp online. You know what this is? This is a stamp that says, oh, you can't read it backwards because it's backwards. It says approved. You ever seen one of these? Anybody ever like used one of these in work where you have a document and they probably have higher tech things now, but there you go, ba-bam. A document comes across your desk. Approved. That's how you, you know, mark something approved. And here's the truth. I brought this today because I think you'll agree there's one of these inside every single one of us. Someone, or to put you know, more accurately, someone in your life holds one of these for you right now. And you gave it to them. Whether you did it on purpose or by accident, consciously or subconsciously, you gave somebody one of these. And they hold this in your life right now and you would like to have their approval. Or if you're anything like me, of course, it's not just one person. It's like many different people in many different areas of life in different ways and even with different weights. But you and I are looking to them that looking to them for <clears throat> approval and and it's natural i mean i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that in fact it's very normal in fact it's probably really healthy it's a core human desire to find approval from other people i mean it's a core human need to, you know to get this in your life and, and in fact doesn't it feel so good when the right person walks into your world or into your office or into your room and says hey i just wanted to say and you're like, <laughs> yeah, that was good. Do it again, do it again, do it again. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I think of that Disney movie, Mufasa. Say it again, say it again. Ha, you know? When the right person walks in, gives you a big old stamp of approval, you're like, yes, that's all I needed. My week is made. Some of y'all can remember a stamp that you got years ago from the right person in your life, can't you? Feels great. So, yeah, we, I mean, we should care. This should matter to us. But here's the deal. Here's why I bring it up today. <clears throat> Because in the same way that, of course, we can talk about all the, you know, helpful and harmless and funny ways that we care about other people's approval that just kind of happen in ordinary life. Isn't it also true? Isn't it also true that every single one of us can think of a time when we were going after this from somebody in our lives and as a result, it took us somewhere we didn't want to go? Isn't that true? Isn't it true, every single one of us, you can think of a time when you were going after this from somebody in your life and as a result, you compromised. As a result, you made an unwise decision. As a result, you kind of violated your own conscience. You're like, ah, I know I shouldn't have done that. I didn't really like that. As a result, you damaged or compromised or hurt your own self-esteem. As a result, you got into a compromising situation. As a result, you had a regret. As a result, you went further than you wanted to. You did something that you wish you had and you didn't do something that you wish you had. I mean, these examples are like tales all this time, right? You get real practical. It's like when, when you drank more than you should have because you wanted to fit in. Or you were more risky, took a bigger risk than you knew was wise because you wanted to impress 
the people you were hanging with, or when you were meaner than you were raised to be, or even than you're raising your kids to be because you wanted to get the laughs, or when you went further down any road of life, any habit of life, any pleasure of life, you went further than you had previously decided to go because you just didn't want to be the only one that didn't. That's this. Or it's like the time, like Nick was talking about week one, it's like the time when you lied or you postured. I mean, we've all done this. I've done this. You pretended to be one thing on Instagram and social media because you wanted people to think well of you. You wanted to compare favorably. And maybe, yeah, it worked. But now you're kind of in a place of lie management. You got to keep that image up and you know it's not quite true. And though you do have a lot of friends, sometimes you feel a little bit unknown. That's this. Or it's like the time you made a terrible purchasing decision Ugh. or got into debt that you didn't need to have on your balance sheet because you were trying to keep up with somebody to your right and to your left and you didn't want to be the only one that couldn't afford that or didn't have that or didn't have that level of car or this, that, or the other. And, you know, that, that was this. It was this. You were looking for this. Uh, or it's like the time... When you didn't have that hard conversation with your spouse, uh uh-oh, that you needed to have because you didn't want them to disapprove of you. And so you didn't have the conversation or it's like the time you didn't tell your 17-year-old no because you knew how they were gonna respond. And you're like, man, I just really wanted this. This is this, you're going after this. Or it's like the time at work maybe when you're like, yeah, I know technically it's not admirable or ethical to... I don't know, entertain clients that way or fudge numbers like that or treat customers in this way, but that's just how it was done in your office or even in your industry. And you weren't gonna be the only one. How's this? Or hey, maybe it's like the time when you were tempted to feel bad about yourself, that you didn't have it, that you weren't worth it, that you didn't have what it takes, that you weren't beautiful because somebody else didn't think so or somebody else didn't say so. And so you walked away feeling really bad inside. It was this. You were looking for this. Or hey, we do this as Christians a lot, right? It's like the time when you knew what the like, Jesus follower thing was to do, you know? But you knew people would totally roll their eyes. So you're like, nah. Or man, you had an opportunity, like we've talked about, to be like salt in the earth, like light in the darkness. But man, in that moment, you're like, I think I just would rather blend in than stand out right now. Because nobody else is doing this kind of, nobody else is treating people like that. It's this. It's because somebody in your life held one of these or some bodies in your life held one of these and we were going for it and in the process we compromised. In the process we violated our conscience. In the process we paid a price. We really, really want to pay. And it's all of us. I'm not pointing the finger at you. I'm preaching the sermon because I know I've data for my own life, right? Yeah. But here's the interesting thing. This isn't just evidently a 21st century problem. Evidently, it was a long time ago problem as well because over 3,000 years ago, King Solomon of Israel, he wrote about this very same thing. And he captured it as he does so well in his Proverbs so succinctly, but packed with such meaning. He says it like this. He says, the fear of man will prove to be a snare. The fear of man will prove to be a snare. A snare. This word here, by the way, man, it's not as in like the opposite of woe man. It's more like human. He's talking about mankind. That's what that word means, mankind. So humans and general people. And he said, I'm talking about the fear of man. And this word fear, it's not like scary movie kind of fear or like I'm afraid of sharks or monkey pox or the IRS or whatever. I don't know. You know, it's not like that kind of fear. It's, this word fear means to tremble before somebody. It's about talking about a reverence that's manifested in 
caring about what they think. Caring about this, caring about approval. It's literally what this word means. It's the fear of man. It will prove to be a snare. And Solomon was no stranger to this idea, this concept of the fear of man. I mean, let me tell you a little bit about Solomon for a second, and you'll see how he had a little bit of a moral authority on the subject. Um, Solomon was king of Israel, and if you know anything about Israel, Israel was a nation that they believed firmly that they were God's chosen people. Like God had created this nation in the world to be a light and a blessing to all the other nations. That was not something that you messed up, right? You didn't be a bad king of Israel. Major pressure to get it right. Because God was involved. You were God's king in the nation of Israel. So his people, and they all held one of these for him. He felt that pressure every single day of his reign. Uh, not only that, but he had an international reputation. Like I said, Solomon was known around these neighboring countries for being the wisest man that you could find anywhere. And so he had this reputation to keep up from his peers. Like the, the, the rulers of Egypt and other nations, they would come just to listen. Everything Solomon did was under the weight of this. And hey, if that doesn't do it for you, did you know that Solomon had at one point over 700 wives and concubines? <laughs> you want to talk about the fear of, of woe man, there you go. I mean, there was like 700 women living in his house whose opinions he was trying to manage. I'm not saying that that was admirable. I'm just saying that's what Solomon did. So this man, this man was no stranger to literally living a life that, that where every decision and every step was under the weight and the scrutiny of so many different people and so many different people who really mattered. He, knew he was a... He was a well-experienced man with the fear of other people. And he says, here's what I learned from this life that I've been leading, where everyone's watching me. Every decision I make is under scrutiny. This is the wisest piece of advice that I have to give you about that. And here it is, it's that the fear of man will prove to be a snare. That thing that we all have, this thing that's in every one of us and the people that hold this in our lives, we've all got it, that thing, it will prove. If you watch, if you'll pay attention, it's, it's, it's proved to be a snare. That word snare, it means trap. Um, it literally means uh, something meant to entangle the unwary. It's meant to entangle you and trap you. He says the fear of man, that's what it is. Not all the time, but you give it enough time and that thing will become a trap for you. And here's how it becomes a trap. Here's how it becomes a trap. It's about control. You know this. I mean, the second I say this, you go, oh yeah, that's, that's it. That's totally right because it's about control. When you give somebody this, what you're really giving them is control. You're giving them a foothold of influence in your life, right? And it goes down like this. Because I fear your approval. Or hey, we don't like that word because like, I'm not afraid, you know? Okay, because I am concerned about your approval, because I want your approval, well, you get influence, you get control. You get a measure of influence in the decision I'm making right now or who I'm being and how I'm acting or even how I feel about myself. There's a story in my life that I think about every time I think about this concept. And uh, so I was gonna share it with you today. It's a story that for me so vividly captures how it feels in my life to fall into the snare of this. And it's a story that happened in college. I lived in a house of nine other guys. We weren't a fraternity, but it kind of like felt like that because we just were all really good friends and we lived in this one house like off campus or whatever at the University of North Carolina. Um, no, you know, no one's gonna cheer. Okay, fine. Go dogs. Uh, and so we, um, I had all these, 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 these buddies and one of, the, one of our pastimes, like about once a month, 
late at night. I mean, this was like post of Waffle House run. And then after that, we would like pile in a car and then go to the local rock quarry, which you weren't supposed to go in, but don't tell my mom. Um, and we would jump in the rock quarry because it was full of water. Some of you may have ever done that before. Like there's, if you have a rock quarry, sometimes they're full of water, you can go jump in them. Um, and so we would do this. And I remember one time we were there and uh, we were jumping off the normal spot. We are like, and then you could climb back up. And it really wasn't the safest thing to begin with. Like in hindsight, I was like, that's pretty dumb. But well, we were dumb. So what did you expect? Um, and this one particular time, one of my buddies looked over around the way and he was like, oh dude, there was like another clearing. There's a woods all the way around it, but there were a couple spots that had like clearing that you could see and like jump off. He's like, hey, what over there? It's like, we should jump off over there. It looks even higher. And it did look a lot higher, okay? And I was like, let's do it. So I walked around like, hey, me and him, let's just walk around. Or no, 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 sorry. I think I went by myself. I'm like, hey, I'll go check it out and come back. And uh, so I walked around to this little clearing and I get up there and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like so much higher. But the more concerning thing was that the water was like, was, it was not clear because like, it was so far down. It was dark and this was at night and I couldn't see. And you know, the like number one rule of jumping in water is like, you need to be able to see, like, is there a rock there? Like, you're not gonna jump in something that you don't know is safe. I mean, I knew that, my dad taught me that. I'm like, not gonna do that. And so I'm new, like, oh my goodness, this is not, I can't see. I don't know, what if there's like a rock there? You know, whatever. And so I'm about to be like, no, nah, no thanks. When I turn it over and I'm like, ooh, what's the, what is that light over there? And it seems like it's coming at me. I quickly like discern. I'm like, oh my gosh, those are headlights. And I hadn't really been paying attention as I'm like going through the rocks and the trees, but I look over and I'm like, oh man, it's like a road. I didn't even know this road goes right by this spot and this car is coming. Oh, P.S., I forgot to tell you, most of the time we jumped in without a bathing suit on because it's just dudes and we're weird, okay? So that was what was happening. So I'm standing there with no clothes on and a car is approaching on the road right next to the rock quarry. And I'm going like, oh my goodness, I gauge, I've got like 15 seconds to decide. Headlights are coming in. What's it gonna be? Am I gonna face the headlights or am I gonna jump in the murky water? Y'all, I wonder how many times in the last year you've been in a very similar situation. Not literally, <laughs> but I wonder how many times in the last year it's felt like headlights were coming in on you. Somebody's gaze was coming in on you. Somebody's noticing or attention was coming in on you and you found yourself caught between the fear of man and an unwise decision. You know what I'm saying? Like you found yourself caught between the fear of man and violating your conscience, between the fear of man and sacrificing your self-esteem, between, the, hello, the fear of man and if you're a Christian following Jesus like he's called you to. How many times has that happened in the last year alone? Because the headlights, they force you to choose, you know? And how many times have we felt ourselves caught between our boss's approval and time with our kids or our spouse's approval and the right conversation that I need to have, my friend's approval and the right decision that I need to make, the crowd's approval or social media's approval and my self-esteem, coworkers approval and, and my values. And in the moment, what you realize is I can't have both. And that's the snare. You're literally in the snare. Because most people, when they're in that situation, are really tempted to do what I did and just jump. Like, nah, no to that. So let's roll the dice here. So, Solomon says, a snare is laid for you when people hold this in your life. 
a fear of man. It will prove to be, through time, it'll prove to be a snare. And some of you, you know, you're like, man, I'm in it right now. I mean, if you're being honest, you go, man, I'm in it right now. Some of you are in it right now at work or at home with your friends or on social media. I mean, you're like, you're going, yeah, I'm in it right now. I feel it. I know it. You're smart enough to see it. I'm smart enough to see it. I'm in it. I can tell you three or four different ways that I'm struggling with this right now in my life. And this wise king from centuries and centuries past, he looks forward to us and he says, hey, and I believe God through him is saying, hey, you need to know this about life, the fear of man. It will prove to be a snare. It is not just benign. It is not harmless. Now, here's the good news, that there is hope, because that's only half of his proverb. The other half is actually what we can do about it. The first half uh, brings the problem to the surface, and the second half says, well, here is what you can do about it. And here's what I love about his advice. It's not his advice. His solution is not simply like, hey, y'all stop caring. Like, stop caring about what people think, because it's like, yeah, thanks, bro. Like, good luck. Did that work for you? Doesn't work for me. There's, I, you cannot stop caring about what people think. I mean, I know there's a couple people in the room that are like, no, I don't care about what anybody thinks. Yeah, but you do care that people know that you don't care about what people think, so don't you kind of care about what people think, you know? Um, nah, just kidding, but um, not really. Uh, but he doesn't say that. That's not the solution that Solomon provides. The solution that he provides is way, way better than that. Uh, it's actually very, very effective. It's way more effective than just stop caring. It's worked for me. It is working for me in my life right now. And I think it will work in your life right now and save you from the snare. And by the way, if you're not a Christian, you're gonna read this and be tempted to think, ah, oh, this isn't for me. It's got God in it. And uh, let me just tell you, um, the God piece is pretty essential to it, but I, I don't miss it because if you do, you're gonna miss what uh, the principle that you can extract from it that is really, really, really essential life advice for you and for your kids and for anybody that you love. So uh, I'll get back to it, but you know, don't just go, Nyeh. I don't believe in God and dismiss it. I'm telling you, you're gonna miss something really important. But here's the solution that Solomon says. He says, the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but, 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 here's your solution. Whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Safe as in safe from the snare. Like you're gonna be out of the snare zone. Snare's not gonna go and get you or whatever, however the snare works. Uh, you, if you wanna be kept safe from the snare that can be people's approval, this is the solution is to trust in the Lord, which if you've been in church, it's one of those like phrases you hear about a zillion times that it almost doesn't mean anything. And you're like, okay, great. Let's pray and be done with it. Just trust in the Lord. Um, but I want, I want to dig into the word trust a little bit and bring that alive for a second because um, this word trust, he talks about it in another very famous proverb. If you know Proverbs, you might've heard of this. He kind of gives us a little more definition of what trusting looks like. He says this in uh, Proverbs chapter three, trust in the Lord with all your heart, trust in the Lord with all your heart, not leaning on your own understanding in all your ways here it is acknowledge him. So trusting looks like in all of your ways in every one of these arenas we've been talking about, you trust God, put your trust in him and he will make your path straight. It'll make your path safe. Solomon is suggesting that the antidote to the fear of man becoming a snare is acknowledging God going, oh yeah, God, now, now let, me, let me describe what I think this looks like. Um, my son, this is my son Cashman, um, and uh, he's right, gonna be there in a couple seconds or somewhere. Yep, there he is. And that's him swimming. So we've been getting into sports recently. The first one was swimming. That's an individual sport, right? You just swim and then you get out. Well, I mean, even if you're in a relay still, you just got your thing to do. Well, we also were starting soccer. And one of the switches in his mind, you know how little kids are with soccer. They just go like ball, boom, right? And then just chase the ball the whole time. And when he gets the ball 
in his mind, I love his like mentality in life. He's like, I am Cristiano Ronaldo and must score right now. Just me, it's all on me, you know? And so he'll get the ball and he'll just be like, goal. And he tries to dribble and score, you know? At, to the exclusion of all of his rest of his teammates. And he's not the only one that does that, but one of the key things that we're trying to teach him and the coaches will try to teach kids at that age is like, you have to go, oh yeah, I have a team. Oh yeah, you were wide open over there. That's acknowledging, that's the kind of acknowledging that Solomon is talking about this. Like, and this is the solution to getting out of the snare. When you find yourself in a cliff situation and it's the headlights or the murky waters down below, the, like the, the, the secret or the key is to remember, oh yeah, God, that you're not the only one in the game. God's there too. It's not just you and your boss. It's not just you and your spouse. not just you and your kid. Not just you and your friends. Not just you and social media. Oh yeah, God, yeah, it's remembering that there is somebody else involved in the situation and it's God and that he has an opinion too. And his opinion about you goes something like this, that he loves you, that he loves you so much. Like as you sit right there, right now, where you are with everything that you walked in, like he loves you more than you can imagine. Like he's He's kind of crazy about you. God like loves you so much. It's his opinion. But it's actually way better than that as any parent can attest to. God doesn't just love you like as you are. He loves you so much that he loves you too much to let you stay that way, which is why God gets involved in your life because he sees more in you and he sees more out of you. He sees like you becoming more and more of the woman or the man that he created you to be, the person that he created you to be. And that's why he has a plan for your life. And he's like inviting you. And it's like, oh man, if you could see what God sees when he looks at you, like who he sees you becoming, even as a, a 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 year old person, if you could just see what God sees when he looks at you right now, who he sees you becoming, the choices he sees you making, the character he sees you having, the decisions he sees you making, the legacy he sees you leaving in the world. I'm telling you to blow your mind. Did you know that? That every invitation of God on your life, every rule that you'll ever run into, command from Jesus, what it really is is an invitation to step into life and life to the fullest, to make your life better and make you better at life because God loves you way too much just to leave you the way that you are. That's God's opinion of you. That's what he has to say about you, that. And Solomon is saying, trusting in that, that's what saves you from the snare. That's what saves you from the snare, that you and I would realize that your boss or your spouse or your friends or they, whoever they is, they do have an opinion that matters, but God has one as well and his matters more. They have approval to give you. And yes, it feels really great when they give it to you, but God has a plan and an approval that he wants to give you. And his, his matters a whole lot more. Solomon says, that's, that's the key here is that you need to elevate God's approval and put it in the top spot. So that when you find yourself in a snare situation, God's approval of you and for you will trump their approval that is trying to become a snare to you. And you'll be safe from it. Have you ever noticed that a really secure person almost feels, seems kind of immune to gossip or criticism? Here's somebody has been talking about them and they're like, oh, okay. Have you ever noticed that a really content person kind of seems a little bit immune to greed, like taking financial shortcuts, cheating, bribery, stuff like that? They're like, nah, I'm good. That's what's going on here. Solomon's saying there's something that happened that inside you 
when you receive the approval of God and you elevate his approval above anybody else's, you will start to immunize yourself. You will start to become immune to the snare of other people and other things' approval. I'd like to run through a couple of examples. Like when you find that your boss, maybe not even on purpose, but nevertheless, your boss or your work is keeping you away from your kids in crucial times when you need to be home, but you need their approval. And oh my gosh, I have to, I have to, I have to. And you're in a snare. It looks like going, wait a minute, my boss is not the only one involved in this, con- in this, this equation, in this situation. Oh yeah, God. And you know what? God gave me my kids as a stewardship. He gave me my kids to invest in them. He wants me to prioritize them. In fact, he says things like, hey, uh, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time. I want you to redeem your time. Put it where it matters most. So yeah, my boss's approval in this slice of my life is important. And of course, I want, I'm gonna work as hard as I can for it, but I'm not gonna do this because his opinion and approval is not the only one in the equation. God's is. And his approval matters more. His opinion and plan for my life, it's more important. You're safe from the snare. And you can play this out in a hundred different ways. Don't have time to do it. But like uh, teenage daughter, you're afraid to say no because it's gonna be an explosion and you're gonna pay the emotional price for it for weeks. But you go, oh, wait a minute. She and I are not the only ones involved in this situation. God is. And God says, hey, train up a child in the way that she should go and she won't depart from it. God says, hey, I discipline constructively every person in, that I love, that I created because I love them because I want more out of them. And so in the same way, hey, God, she ain't the only one involved in this situation. Her opinion does matter, but your opinion's involved too and it matters more. Your approval matters more. I'm gonna be saved from this snare of just not parenting the way that I want to. You could apply it to your friends. Man, I know it's awkward when you don't like, if you were to stop joining in with some unhealthy habits, you know? Man, don't we always do this? Don't we always, do, you know, hang out this way? And you were to stop, they'd be like, what's wrong with you? And sure, that matters, but man, good is for freedom that Christ has set you free. God wants you to, not be mastered by anything to be filled with the Holy Spirit because that fruit is what love requires of you. And you go, wait a minute, your opinion and approval, it matters. I love you. You're like my best friend. But he's also involved in the situation and his opinion and his plan for me is it, it matters more. His approval matters more. So you know what? I'm just gonna like be healthy and we can hang out. And if that, <laughs> roll your eyes, roll your eyes. It's free from the snare. So on and so forth. Solomon says, that's the secret. That's the secret. And I think it's a brilliant solution because he's not saying that you stop caring about all these other people's approval. It's like, no, you still care. Nuh uh. And it's not, he's also not saying that God's you know, opinion and approval is always against all these other people's approval. No, 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 no. He's just saying that when you do find yourself in that situation where the fear of man and the opinion of man is at odds with your best, with your health, with wise decision making, with your most important relationships, when those things are at, odd, at odds, you will have. Your approval's in the right order. And when God's is first, it will keep you safe from the snare. He's just saying like, hey, when they are at odds, you'll have them in the right order and you won't fall into the trap. I think it's a brilliant solution. And yeah, look, the biggest objection is, hey, you know, that's cute and all, but like last time I checked, my boss controls my job, okay? My wife or husband controls my intimacy, my friends control my happiness and my good times and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's true, but that's why, I go back to the verse, that's why it has the word um, trust in here. Where'd it go? Yeah. That's why it has the word trust in here. Because other people's approval is almost always tied, always tied to outcomes, isn't it? It's almost always tied to outcomes. 
job outcomes, intimacy outcomes, social outcomes, so on and so forth. And God's like, hey, will you trust me with those outcomes? Will you trust me enough with the outcomes of your life to make my approval in first place? To elevate my approval over anybody else's. Will you trust me with the outcomes? Because like, I know your boss controls your job and like made the whole company, but I like made him and like the Milky Way galaxy in the universe. So I mean, I, I can control outcomes probably even more, you know? God's like, hey, would you trust me enough with outcomes to elevate my approval over anybody else's? That'll keep you safe. That'll keep you safe. And by the way, if you're not a Christian, you're like, hey, can we take the God piece out of it? Um, well, sure. You know, this is a life principle that's so important that you need to determine this right here in a world full of opinions. Um, can you go to that slide, please? In a world full of opinions, um, you need to decide whose approval matters most. You're gonna have a zillion opinions and a ton of people are gonna try to hold this thing in your life. And, and this is huge life principle. And teaching your kids too. This is massive for our children. In a world full of opinions, you gotta decide whose opinion matters most. Otherwise, you're gonna be pulled in a hundred different directions. And you're gonna find yourself not only at odds with, with people that matter and things that matter, you're gonna find yourself at odds with yourself. Like, why am I pulled here and here at the same time? It's because you don't know whose opinion matters most and whose approval matters most. You're just gonna be blown and tossed by the wind, chasing this, bam, bam, bam. And that's like the worst kind of life strategy is gonna take you down all kinds of roads you don't wanna go down. And this is Solomon's advice. He's like, hey, in a world full of opinions, you need to decide whose approval matters most. And he's saying, hey, may I suggest to you that whose opinion matters most is the God who made you, who loves you and has a plan for you. That's the only hands that's really safe to put this in ultimately. So there you go, that's the verse. Let's just see it one more time. The fear of man will prove, let's in fact say it together. Just repeat after me, the fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. So I got three questions that I would love for you to think about as you head out of here today. And here they are. Um, as you're trying to apply this to your life, uh, whose approval has become a snare for you? Chances are you've already been thinking about it. I sure have, as I've been talking, right? Or number two, uh, who really controls outcomes? What's your opinion on that? Who, do, who really controls outcomes? Is it them or is it your heavenly father? And then finally, what would it look like to trust God? What would it look like in just that one area and just one relationship for you to trust God, to elevate his approval? That's my wish for you is that maybe in one area, one relationship, one place where you're falling into the snare, you would start to get out by elevating God's approval. Let me pray for us and we'll go. Heavenly Father, you know that you made us this way. It's totally normal and healthy. And in fact, pretty awesome that we actually thrive off one another's approval and love and affirmation. But I pray that we would be wise enough to heed Solomon's advice today and realizing that it can become a snare and that we would listen to the solution to elevate your approval, to trust in you and therefore avoid it. I pray you'd help us identify where we need to apply that today and courage to do something about it. In Jesus' name, amen.